These are really familiar words for us, and you hear these words a lot. As I was looking for a scripture that talked about creating a culture of daring greatly, Isaiah 40 just kept coming to mind, and you'll hear why uh, in the midst of the message. And so think about those places where this coming year you are willing to dare greatly in your own lives. And as we create, continue to deepen and create the culture of daring greatly in the church, hear these words again and see how we might fit in with this. Thanks, Jen. From Isaiah 40. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. God does not faint or grow weary. God's understanding is unsearchable. God gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary. The young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks Thanks be to God. Thank you, Shannon. Again, this morning we conclude the series of Daring Greatly, and we've talked about so many areas personally and professionally, um, politically, uh, and even in the church, what it means to dare greatly. This morning I want to conclude that service with this image in mind. And I'm going to come back to this image a number of times, but just to remind you that here is a climber who is harnessed in, and if you'll notice the rope that goes up um, through a piton and a carabiner and comes down to someone who is on the other end of that rope on belay supporting that person. This looks like a risky climb, and it is. But I think this is what life can be for many of us. I want to come back and give you five elements that I think have to be present in order to have a culture of daring greatly in a church. But let me begin again by reading the first couple verses of the scripture. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. God does not grow tired or weary, and God's understanding no one can fathom. Number one, we have to know what lay at our center in order to understand the creation of a culture of daring greatly. We have to be reminded, I think, often about the fact that God loves us with unmeasurable, immeasurable love who offers grace in immeasurable ways. That God is at the center of everything we do and we believe in a power so much greater than ourselves. And that every time we look in the mirror, We need to see ourselves as a miraculous creation of this loving and grace-filled God. And I think many of us begin our struggle right there. Right there. And I will remind you that worthiness, as Brene Brown says, worthiness is a birthright. You are worthy. You are deserving of this love and grace. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, you are worthy. You are worthy 
It is your birthright. Within that foundation of understanding, we also have to remember that within this belief in God comes an order. And within that order are rules and consequences and all manner of things. But we have to begin with the foundation of God's love and grace. And that God continually, continually, from the point of the inception of creation, God continually seeks to bring order and peace into every single area of life. Number one, we remember who it is that we come to worship and understand that God seeks that relationship with us, but it requires an action on our part to fully embrace that relationship with God as loving creator. Number one, God, love, and God's grace. That's number one. Number two, let me read the scripture. God gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. I'm a Wesleyan. And it's one of the reasons that I think we're going to really look at Wesley this year. It was an amazing time on study leave of just unwrapping the fact that, that, that Wesley responded to an, just an incredibly difficult time. But what Wesley believed was that God's grace, that number one piece, God's grace goes before us and surrounds us. And, but it's not just this power. It's also God's grace infiltrates others around us to be there for us throughout our lives, that God will, in fact, provide folks, people in our lives, will surround us with people that will help kind of ground us and keep us focused and know that we are supported. I love how Brene Brown looks at this, and, and, and she talks about creating a list, and so I created a list. It's not the bad list. It's not the naughty list. It's the nice list. I'm not Santa Claus, but... But that we all need to have that list. We all need to have those folks who are on the bottom end of this rope. Those who are holding us on belay. Those who love us and and those who made my list, I know are there and holding on, sometimes in spite of who I am, in spite of my struggles. They know me well enough to know what I struggle with. They know my strengths. They know my foibles. And yet there they are consistently holding on to that end of that rope to make sure that I'm okay. And the list for me is not long. Uh, There are seven of you in this church who are on that list. Now I understand that beyond that list are other levels of relationship. Believe me, and I appreciate those. But these are folks who have come and we've spent a lot of time. And I love the term that Brown uses. Uh, These are what she calls stretch mark friends. I just want to have that dwell on you for a minute. Stretch mark friends. These are folks for whom the relationship has gone through times of stretching on occasion. And yet there we are staying together in the midst of that. These are friends who are there no matter what. 
And the other piece she talks about is they help us overcome the non-stretch mark friends or those for whom life is unhealthy or who approach life in negative ways or who want to tear us apart or tear us down. And that is the other list. But that what we do is we continue to not necessarily listen to that side of the equation. And I will tell you, for those that may be on that list, my commitment is that I pray for them every day. I pray for health for them. I pray for joy, and particularly I pray for peace for them. And we all have those in our lives as well. And it doesn't mean we don't pray for them. But it may mean that we don't listen to them and have them be the ones who help define who we are or how we deal with life. It's the stretch mark friends to whom we turn. And part of the whole understanding of creating a culture of daring greatly is that we become a stretch mark church. A stretch mark church. A church where we get to know each other well enough uh, that we know our strength and we know our foibles and yet We are there for each other no matter what. The other thing about creating a culture of daring greatly, and particularly with God at the forefront and with with stretch mark friends as a stretch mark church, is we understand that every one of us fails. Every single one of us falls short. But in the creation of that culture, in the midst of falling short, shame does not come into play. Blame does not necessarily come into play. What comes into play is standing together, and that brings me to number three. Number three says, and this is the scripture, even youths grow tired and weary, and the young stumble and fall. So the third piece of this has to do with our children and our youth is that what we do is, as stretch mark friends and creating a stretch mark church is we create an atmosphere where no matter who the youth is or the child is, no matter what they are or where they've been or what's happened to them in their lives, we surround them. And we take this on as a church. We move back to the covenant of baptism. And we look at the commitment that we've made to every child and every family in the midst of that covenant of baptism. This covenant. And that is that we will, no matter what, surround that family and that child with love and grace. And friends, I have to say to you, I think we have work to do in this area. I do. And there are a lot of reasons that I think we have work to do in this area, but but I've seen enough to know that, to some extent, what we do is we place that on our staff, that that's their area, that that's what they need to do. And so we feel like that's their role and not necessarily ours. And yet I'm going to argue against that. Or on occasion when we have a young family in church and and their children come and they play up here while I'm preaching, what we should be doing is smiling and laughing and maybe coming and dancing with them instead of frowning at them or rejecting them. We've had youth who have gone through some deep struggles in their lives And I will say this to you, and families who have been on the edge of leaving this church because what they have felt is judgment rather than support. 
in the midst of daring greatly, if we are to dare greatly as a church and create a culture of daring greatly, what it means is that we listen to this scripture and instead of tearing them down or judging them, what we do is surround them and build them up. And know no matter what they've done, no matter where they are, no matter who they are, that we surround them and bolster them and we stand beside them and walk with them and we stand underneath them and hold them up as well as their parents and their families. That we help them understand that no matter what, they're loved. And even in the midst of failure, they are loved. In the midst of failure or struggle, they are supported and they are guided and they are grounded in who we are as a culture of Christ. Because if we do that, and that we all see that as our role, and we take it all on, all of us, the next part of that scripture then comes into play. Because at that point, then, even in the midst of that, as they feel that loving presence of God and of us, they then can mount on wings as eagles, and soar. I mean, think about it, friends. How many of us went through struggles as teens? Yeah, and if I asked all of you to lift your hands, honestly, most of us would have our hands go up. Pastor included. Being a teenager today, being a child today is risky. And what they're looking for are handholds and footholds and opportunities to experiment and, and look at life and they know the risks and we need to be at the other end of this rope. All of us. All of us. So that they can mount on wings as eagles and soar. Daring greatly. Fourth, we provide all kinds of opportunities for no matter who walks in here to run and grow and dance and live and learn. And I'm not just talking about children and youth anymore. I'm talking every one of us, every single one of us. What we do is we create an environment where no matter what the situation is, no matter who walks in this door, on their first Sunday here, they, they know that there's something here for them. And that they know that there are classes that they can step into. And believe me, Rich, I love your class. I love what you guys are studying. But what is being studied in that class is at about a 400 level. Diana Butler Bass or Rob Bell or or whoever it is, that's about a 400 level. And what we need to do is continue to provide opportunities for people at the 100 level who are just experimenting with this for the first time or who are coming back to church after having been gone for a long time. But we don't just stop at that 100 level, that 101 class. We look at the 200 level and the 300 level and give folks all kinds of opportunities. I want you to think about school. Why do we offer grade systems, first grade, second grade, third grade, 10th grade, 12th grade, college, graduate level? Because we know that people grow incrementally. And as a church, if we're to create a culture of daring greatly, we need to be able to offer folks incremental opportunities for growth and be strategic about that so that everybody who walks in here knows there's a place for them. And oh, by the way, it's not up to the pastor. 
It's up to us as a congregation. It means that we need to, some of us, step up and teach some of those classes. I'm happy to help guide it. I can't do it all. But incrementally, we offer those kinds of things. And if you look at the whole equation as well, of creating a culture of daring greatly, of looking at God and stretch mark friends and what we do with our children and youth and now looking at incremental opportunities for growth, the place where this happens best and most often is often in small groups. And we're exploring as a staff right now how do we offer beyond what we already have small groups where folks can learn and grow in the midst of trusted relationships and relationships that can go into stretch mark friendships like what I see at Yaws. And I look at Yaws, and I am in wonderment of the depth of the relationships that you all have with each other. And it's inspiring to me. And I look at the Monday night group of women who gather in that classroom and study, and the relationship, the depth of relationship, and I'm inspired by that. Might we need more? Even to the point, back to Robbins and Alan, the choir, I think, can become that kind of small group. And to some extent, you are. But we can take it deeper. But what are the other areas? Because if we're to create this culture of daring greatly, we need to be able to have those kinds of relationships within the church. And finally, number five, Every child who goes through any level of education anywhere, even homeschooling, they are evaluated. And we need to do the same as a church. Very few churches have models of evaluation, and we need to have a model of evaluation. And I'm going to be working with the core leadership team on developing that kind of model of evaluation this year. But here are some things that Brene Brown, at the end of her book, she talks about about evaluation. She asks questions like, in the midst of a community, how are we doing in our honesty and integrity with each other? What grade would you give us? And where would you identify the areas of strength and maybe the opportunities for growth in that? How are we doing as we look at respect for each other? I love this question. Where are our accountability points? Not just for the pastor or the staff, but literally with each other. Where are our accountability points? And how are we doing in those? When it comes to bringing peace, how are we doing? Whether that be in our closest relationships, our next degree of relationships, and that concentric circle out into the world, how are we doing at bringing peace into the lives, not only of each other, but to the community and to the world? When it comes to honoring our differences, truly honoring our differences. How are we doing? And when it comes to loving God and allowing ourselves to be loved by God, how are we doing on that? What do you see in the mirror staring back at you? Do you see it as lacking? Is there shame looking back? Or do you truly see yourself as a miraculous child of a loving and grace-filled God? Finally, as it comes to creating a culture of daring greatly, what grade do you give us? And where is it that we are strongest? And let's continue to strengthen those areas. And where are our places of potential growth? And let's work towards strengthening those.
Friends, it's a privilege to be on belay with you. It's a privilege to be on this journey together. It's why I told, chose this stole this morning. It's my strength for the journey stole. And it is strength for the journey. And it's what we offer each other when we're on belay together. The culture is here. Don't get me wrong. The culture is here. I think we can get better.